Hello, church family. Uh, today we're going to look at Acts chapter 19, verse 21 to 41. And uh, this is a very powerful chapter in terms of just illustrating and showing it through history how the gospel uh, changes a society. And sometimes that society um, changes in a good way. They just they understand their conviction. They're convicted by sin and they, they repent, almost like how Nineveh repented in the book of Jonah, where they, their hearts just melted when they understood their own depravity in light of God's holiness, and they turn from it. And other times, when people are confronted with their sin, a culture can rise up against the church, and it rise up against Christians. And this is what this portion is. It's people that, after hearing God's word, after um, the change in the society, there are those in the culture that just feels that they need to go against the, the, the faith because of how, um, what, in, a, in a gospel impact, how, how that changes the culture from the way that just morally uh, how things have changed because of what the Christians are doing. And this is what we see in this portion from uh, chapter 19, verse 21 to 41. Again, just kind of a little context of what's going on. This is Paul's third missionary journey. Um, he has, uh, he, he felt called to, to minister here uh, in, uh, in Ephesus, and he's uh, bringing people to salvation. He first, in the beginning of chapter 19, he meets these apostles of John the Baptist, and um, these were 12 individuals that didn't seem to know who Jesus Christ is or what the Holy Spirit is about. <laughs> and Paul uh, explains to them from the scriptures who Jesus is, and they realize, like, okay, John the Baptist was paving the way to this Messiah, and now they need to go and get baptized. So the first baptism that they did with John the Baptist was a baptism of repentance, where they're supposed to go and, um, and, and prepare the way for the Lord, and when Jesus came, somehow these 12 individuals were not there. And now they are, and, and they have this little mini Pentecost moment where people, when they start prophesying and speaking in tongues, and then later on, uh, verse 11, uh, to 20, there was a little miraculous moment where, where, uh, where this demoniac uh, um, is, 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 ca is called out. And the result of that is that people were, the whole city, the whole culture uh, changed. They were burning their, the, the, the wicked books and they essentially lost 50,000 pieces of silver worth of materials and the whole society just just uh, repented, turned away from their dead idols and began to worship the living God. So now we see the aftermath of that. Verse 21 uh, reads, Now after these things, which is everything that happened before, uh, were finished, Paul uh, uh, proposed in the spirit to go to Jerusalem after he had passed through Macedonia and Arcadia, uh, uh, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. So this part here, in, in particular, verse 21, it says that he's pur uh, purposed in the Spirit. This idea of, this, it's not like the Holy Spirit here is working in him. He, he's just thinking about what to do next. Um, you know, Paul obviously was a great evangelist and, and a church planter, and he felt motivated to go uh, to all of these different places. Um, so he, he wanted to go from one place to another, and a lot of ways it's either to evangelize to people or to uh, encourage the people that are in those churches. Uh, verse 22, And having sent into Macedonia two of those, two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and uh, Eratus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. So he, uh, he, he, he sent two people to go to Macedonia ahead of him, and it seems like he had to change his mind a little bit, and he stayed in Asia for a while. And it doesn't 
specify in this context on what happened, but it seems like in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 8, that he, he delayed himself for a reason, and it seems like there was this ministry opportunity that came up. Um, so he had this desire to go somewhere, and then he eventually changed his mind, and that's just the reality of all ministry. Sometimes you, you have a desire and plan to do something, and it doesn't work out the way that you want. Uh, I think the last two years has been evident of that. We have all, we have, originally we had all of these different events planning last year, and the COVID-19 and everything, but then it was all shut down, and the Lord has just moved and shifted our ministry elsewhere. And that's what's going on. Sometimes the Lord closes a door, and sometimes things, just obstacles are in the way, and uh, sometimes the Lord just redirects you all together. But a person who has a humble heart, and who has, whose uh, goal it is to honor the Lord, uh, they'll just be moved to, uh, to do what the Holy Spirit has allowed in this life. So he stayed in Asia for a while. And we'll see what this, what this ministry opportunity is here in verse 23. About that time, there occurred no small disturbance concerning the way. Um, Christianity was known as the way here, and uh, the gospel uh, created this controversy. And that's something that we understand as Christians that we should do. We should create controversies, not in like a political sense, or not in any way that which like um, makes us look bad. But it's usually, it's, it should be, and that's how it always should be for us, is that we live such a holy and godly life, and such a light that is, is just so positive. Like we're light to the world, we're salt to the, to the world. That it just that the, that's the sinners in the in the city uh, is bothered by it, and we see that here. Like uh, the, there's a disturbance because of the way. Uh, the way was another way of saying Christianity back then. Verse 24: For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis, uh, or Diana, if you want to, um, another way of calling Artemis Diana, was uh, bringing no little business to the craftsmen. So uh, this person seems to be, uh, you know, he, he makes idols for a living. And, and, you know, we, we understand what that is. In, 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 in San Francisco, we have places that, uh, you know, if you if hang out anywhere in the, the, these Asian stores, like, you know, places that sell bo- little Buddha statues, that's kind of like what that is uh, uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the olden times, in the ancient areas. So there's just, there were these people that would sell these little idols that was made from silver, and apparently it was just a very lucrative business. Um, it's so lucrative that, that we have no evidence of these anymore. And I think part of the reason why that is is because back then when, they, when, the, when people attacked Rome or uh, whatever city, they saw that the preciousness of these metals was just melted down. Like they're the only statues that we have that's like remnants of back then are wooden statues. Uh, but the ones that were with like really uh, rare materials or valuable metals are, are melted away. And this person here in particular, he, he saw what was going on in the city. There were all these Christians that are being saved, and then they stopped buying their idols, and then that offended him. He, he got worried because now his livelihood is at stake. Um, he obviously did not accept the gospel, uh, and, he, and he's offended by it. So he's, he's, he has no business in terms of he's not making any revenue, and this, and this made him uh, upset, and he decides to gather all his friends together. Verse 25. These he gathered together uh, with the worksmen of similar trades and said, Men, you know that our prosperity depends upon this business. You see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a considerable number of people, saying that gods made with hands are no gods at all. Now this is... He's like trying to uh, get a, his guild together uh, to to basically find out that his, his like whoever emergency meeting guys 
our business is tanking because of this Paul. He's saying that, he's saying that uh, uh, God's being with hands are no gods at all, which, you know, it should make sense, right? Like, I mean, I don't know if these people were religious, but it's like, yeah, if you made the God, that means that that God isn't a God, right? This kind of reminds me of the situation in um, in first and in Second Samuel, right, when there was the the uh, Dagon and then the uh, uh, the the, uh, the fish god, uh, and then they were saying his the Philistines put the Ark of the Covenant in there, and then eventually Dagon was cut down in pieces, you know, the, and, and they had to prop that uh, idol back up because it wasn't it wasn't able to stand on its own, you know. This shows you the folly of all false religions is that they need humans to worship them in order for them to exist. God, our God, is not like that. Our God is the opposite. We exist because God has made us. Um, our God is not made with human hands. But these false gods, and every false god, is made with human hands. Even if they're not, like, they're, like in a certain religion, like Islam and Judaism, they don't have like a physical statue or anything like that. Even those gods, um, like Islam or the, well, even current Judaism, is not the same as the biblical Judaism. They're, they're worshiping a false god. Uh, they're all, uh, uh, and th those are ideas, they're concepts or man-made traditions that they're worshiping as opposed to a physical being that, they're, uh, that other religions might have. Whether it's uh, made by hands or with the mind, they're all false gods. And uh, Paul here is doing just that. He's, he's confronting the people, and even the non-Christians see the impact of the gospel here. They're seeing that they're, they're running out of resources, and they're upset at, this, at Paul for what he's doing. He's turning people away from their business, and everything is bad. Now, I do believe that there's, I mean, this is, you have to decide this for yourself, that we as Christians sometimes pour in to, to industries that are actually antithetical to Christianity. Uh, whether that means movies or entertainments, there are sometimes things that which Christians support. Whether you know this is Christian liberty, where you decide on your own what's best for you. But sometimes I think Christians have an overemphasis on leisure or entertainment that you are actually funding things that are actually bad for the society. Um, there was a time where Christians and even the culture at large were against certain things, but as time progressed, we see that sin increase, and then even Christians tolerate things that shouldn't be tolerated. Um, there has been different shows that has come on that I'm surprised that Christians watch. Um, I, I, I'm surprised by it because, I, you know, not that I'm against TV, but I'm just surprised because of what these things are talking about and the fact that Christians just are like so obsessed with binge watching certain shows or having to watch certain movies, especially things that have very explicit material. Because essentially when you pay for it, you're, you're, you're supporting this business and you're supporting things that are, you know, essentially sinful. And imagine what would happen if every single Christian decided, no, we're done with this. It will leave a dent in the entertainment business or whatever industry that promotes sin because they want your money. And if you stop supporting those things, if you, if you, if you see those things as like promoting evil and you stop those things, then, the, then people eventually, uh, the, the entire industry will, will eventually fall apart. Paul here, he's just so faithful in, in, in sharing the gospel with people, and people get so radically saved that they don't want to support these type of uh, worldly and sinful and idolatrous industries anymore, which crumbles this economy here. It stops them at their track, and the result is that, this, um, that these people rise up against Christianity. Verse, uh, verse 27, not only is there danger that this trade of ours fall into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis be regarded as worthless, and that she whom all of Asia and the world worship will 
give me dethroned from her magnificence. So, so first they start from these 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 silversmiths start from the practical sense, like okay, we're going to lose our money, and then second they're they're fighting for the reputation here. This place, Ephesus and Rome and everything, was known for all of their false gods, um, and they're saying that if we lose this, that we lose our identity as well. Uh, so we need to fight Paul, otherwise we might uh, lose our, our, our reputation to the world. And again, this has nothing to do with even the spiritual aspect, right? It's not like, like they're saying, oh, it dishonors Diana. They're actually doing this because they're trying to protect their own reputation, their own ethnic identity, or their own tribe, or whatever you want to call it. They want to, uh, they're, they, essentially it's all pride. They, 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 uh, the gospel attacks a person's wallet, attacks a person's ego, attacks their identity. And here, these people are, are worried about that. Uh, the gospel uh, is offending and is destroying cultures. It's destroying different religions. And it's not, I noticed that what Paul was doing at the time, he wasn't actually going around smashing things or burning things down. Uh, all he did was share the gospel and the Holy Spirit worked in the lives of people and people just gave those things up by themselves. Uh, they, he, he didn't pigeonhole anyone, he didn't micromanage, he just kept teaching them the gospel, he kept teaching and, and, and evangelizing and kept uh, uh, shepherding the people there and the people ended up just giving up those things altogether. Verse 20, when they heard this and were filled with rage, they began crying out, saying, Get great as Artemis of, Ephes- of Ephesians. So these people now, like they, they're upset and they're like chanting this. Uh, verse 29, uh, the city was filled with confusion, and they rushed with one accord into the theater, dragging along Gaius and uh, Artericus, Paul's traveling companion from Macedonia. It's funny here that they, it's, it's funny in the sense that they, they didn't even know why they were doing this. They just they just heard people crying. Like, okay, let's just grab these Christians, and they grab they just happened to grab two of Paul's uh, traveling companions which resulted in Paul wanting to go back. Verse 30, when Paul wanted to go into the assembly, the disciples would not let him. And I think part of this is like, Paul was courageous. He had this amazing boldness to you know, try to rescue his people. But the disciples, were, uh, I think they probably count on the cost, like this is not worth the fight. Uh, don't do this, and they held him back. They think this is not a good idea. So he didn't go. Uh, verse 31, also some of the uh, Asiarchs who were friends of him sent uh, uh, friends of his sent to him and reporter urged him not to venture into the theater. So Paul had these friends apparently who were uh, political, um, had some sort of political influence or, or standing of Rome and they said, and it seems like it's, it's unknown whether or not they were believers. Uh, some people think that they're not Christians but they're just, you know, Paul just had such a good testimony with them that they just don't, this is not a good idea, don't do it. So Paul the Apostle Paul had even wisdom from people saying, like, this is not a good idea, so don't go. So he doesn't go. Verse 32. So then some were shouting one thing and some another, for the assembly was in confusion. The majority did not know for what reason they had to come together. Again, this is a hilarious scene, at least the way I see it. It's like, they want to riot, and, you know, when we think of riot, don't think of, like, modern-day riot, because back then they didn't have, like, windows to smash, and they didn't have graffiti or anything. So the only thing they really did that was rioting was just, like, screaming <laughs> so they're just screaming and people were just kind of jumping came along together and they start screaming but then they didn't even know why they were screaming they're just confused they're angry seeing people are angry and people were confused and they don't even know what's going on um, and they just they just it's just a small group of people that caused this which is what even if you look at our modern day with riots it's, it's, that's how it really is right it's it's a small group of people that 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 riles a whole bunch of people up to do things, and the people that are part of this don't even know what they're doing. They're just kind of following along. Um, that's what's happening here. Verse 33, some of the crowd concluded 
it was Alexander, since the Jews had put him forward, and having motioned with his hand, Alexander was intending to make a defense to the assembly. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, a single outcry arose from them all as they shouted for, two, for, uh, for about two hours, great as Artemis of Ephesians. So, so like, they realized what's going on. They just, this has been doing for two hours. Just two hours was randomly screaming. Uh, verse 35, after quieting the crowd, the town clerk said, Men of Ephesus, what man is there that after all who does not know that the city of Ephesians is guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and the image of which fell down from heaven? Uh, so, and the con- here, a little context here, the people here thought that the, that the, that Diana came from like a, the sky, like it, it was most likely like some sort of meteorite that landed there and they thought, oh, that must be a god. Uh, so that was like the reputation of this. So they're kind of like making this idol around this meteorite, essentially. And they said, this is Artemis, this is, this is Diana. And like, uh, and they were, you know, that's what the city was known for, for this meteorite that, the, that they ended up worshiping. Verse 36, so since these are undeniable facts, you ought to keep calm and do nothing rash. So this is actually fascinating because this guy is arguing, even though this person is arguing is not a believer, he's saying this, look, if Diana is a true god from the sky uh, and, you know, he's, and we're worshiping this meteorite, then this person will defend himself, which is a legitimate claim, right? It's like, if our god is so powerful, why do they need us? That's the kind of argument. And that's true. If, if, you, if their gods are actually that great, there's no need for you at all whatsoever. Um, that's what's going on here. Like, they, they were like, yeah, that's right. That makes sense. Verse 37, for you have brought these men here who are neither robbers uh, of temples nor blasphemers of our goddess. So, so these disciples, these Christians, they, they, even though they uh, were for Christianity, they didn't like try to talk down to those that worship other religions. This means that even though they were trying to convince them that they did it in such a loving way that they didn't even realize that what they're doing, like they didn't realize that they're even evangelized to. The disciples were so kind with their words and, and their arguments and and uh, in their in, in their communication that they had a good reputation with outsiders. That even non-Christians recognized that these guys are not bad people in a moral sense, even in a civil sense, even in the religious sense. They're not like going around attacking them, um, and 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 that shows. And I think for a lesson for us is that when we engage other Christians, sometimes, sometimes I think we become overly zealous of being right as opposed to lovingly speak the truth. Um, there are a lot of times, and this is my fault for myself when I was younger, was that I only wanted to evangelize for the sake of winning the argument. I wanted to prove how people are dumb for worshiping all these idols as opposed to actually feeling pity for them and trying to persuade them to come to Jesus Christ. And that's where these uh, you know, Paul's companions were. They, were they, they had this compassion for those that are lost and the way they communicated made them, you know, it, it didn't offend them in the wrong way. Uh, you should offend with the gospel, yes. The gospel should be offensive to them, but you should not be. Uh, and these people were like that, and, the, and their reputation is known to even to the outsiders. Verse 38, so then if uh, Demetrius and the craftsmen who are with him have complaint against any man, the courts are in session and, and pro-counsels are available. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you, if you want anything beyond this, it shall be settled in the lawful assembly. For indeed, we are in danger of being accused of a riot in connection with today's events, since there is no real cause of it. And in this connection, we will be unable to account for this disorderly gathering. So the Christians, because of how 
much of a ruckus they caused. People didn't understand why they were so mad. Uh, and, and if you just look at the context, again, the reason why they're mad is because they lost their money. And the reason why they lost their money wasn't because the Christians were stealing. It wasn't because Christians were destroying their temples. It, it, wasn't any, it was none of that. It was that the gospel was changing the lives of the people. And they just stopped purchasing and, and, and you know, putting money into these things. And, uh, and this person said, like, yeah, if, if they did anything wrong, then we should go through the legal system. If, uh, if they didn't, then just leave them alone. And that's kind of like the, the gist of what's going on here. Because at verse 41, after saying these things, he dismissed the assembly. And this is, again, it's a very wise move here in, in God's providence. Um, because this person is saying, like, look, we don't want to be known as the people that are just, like, persecuting people for no apparent reason. Like, we don't even know why we're doing this. So why, and the world's going to wonder why we're doing this. And we can't, we got to give it, a, our reputation's on the line. And again, there's, like, a lot of things going on in terms of, like, them caring for their reputation because... You know, they want to protect the, the, their idol, Diana, and they also want to protect their name as a culture. And they don't want to be seen as just a bunch of buffoons arguing and rioting for no apparent reason. Um, you know, it's like, oh, we're mad because they didn't buy our stuff. And, you know, that, that's, that's not a really good reason to cause such a big problem here. But we understand that the gospel does do that. It makes the foolish people even more foolish, especially when they deny their faith. When their hearts are hardened to God's word, they just seem even more foolish. Um, but we have, as Christians, pity for them. Um, we, 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 we know that they are blinded by their sin. They're blinded by the, 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 by the, you know, the, the works of demons in this world. Um, and we want to win them to Christ, but we want to do it in such a way that if there is a, 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 an accusation against Christians, it should not be anything negative. People can slander, but they, and they can make up things, but those things are lies. Uh, if they make up a lie, that's fine. That's not on us. But if we are really you know, obnoxious in the way that we live, and we're very combative in the way that we share the gospel, then it makes sense why people would not like us, um, because they are mad at us for the things that we do as opposed to the content that, of the gospel. And yes, offend with the gospel, do it in such a loving way, and live in such a way that is just so honoring to the world, uh, and ultimately to the Lord, that they can't say anything bad against you. This is like what First and Second Peter talks about in terms of living a holy life, that when people have anything negative to say against you, that they can't because of your character. And that's what I hope that for us, that we have this godly character, that we share the gospel, and that that leaves us this, the only result, the only way that the culture can respond to the gospel, outside of accepting the gospel, is that they have to make up something to go against Christians. And that's, a, and that's a great testimony to have, to be known as Christians that are faithfully declaring the gospel and, and, and people hating us for, for living a good and godly life, a quiet, peaceful life, and, and being hated for that. Because that's pleasing to the Lord and you know, even the world. They might be upset, but they're confused by why they are upset. And they may not understand that the reason why they're confused and upset is because they ultimately hate God. And again, that's for us on our side we should feel pity for and compassion for them because they are so blinded by their own sin. So I encourage you this week, think about how you, when you're evangelizing to some friends or neighbors, um, you know, how are you communicating with them? Um, and you just, how, you, how are you living your life before them? Do they notice that you know, you're, you're like, can they tell that you're different? And if they're different, and if you're different in a good way, um, may the fact that they don't like you, not because of who you are, but because who you represent in this world. Thanks for listening. Hope that this is helpful for you in your walk with the Lord. Take care.